in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Top 10. I am John Roca. And I am Matt Nost. We're here to bring you another sweet week of Top 10 action. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm a little stressed out. This list kicked the shit out of me. Um, Sounded like a good idea on paper, didn't it? It did until two hours later, and I was still like, oh, right, this person. Oh, right, that person. And um yeah. after a while i just kind of gave up and fell down on the floor and said like this is the list and it may it's just my list for today and tomorrow or maybe with three hours from now it's the list changes so it's just it's an incredibly difficult list so my brain is pretty fried from having put this thing together over the last uh couple of days so yeah. crazy stuff man i i'm glad i started early on it <laughs> <laughs> i made for the first time ever i made a spreadsheet <laughs> just because i started going through and then the list yeah i have a let's see 142 directors on this Ooh, list yeah. and i even because i initially started and if they didn't have a third movie i just yeah. wouldn't write them down yeah and <clears throat> then i started like oh shit did i already go through them crap so then i started writing down everybody and even if i didn't like their third movie i would just write in honor of the movie we're doing it for nope i just put nope next to their name <laughs> so but yeah once i changed the system i still ended up at 142 yeah 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 and it's incredible the number of directors where the second would make contention the fourth would yeah. make contention the third you're out yeah it's incredible how many fourth films would have absolutely been classics to put on the list that would have battled for some of the top five spots, but yeah, you couldn't include it. And, and I even almost cheated with one. Cause I was like, well, these are French feature films. Maybe I can just start with American ones. I was like, no, no, I gotta be true to the spirit of the law here. Uh, and so I had to um, exclude some of the more foreign film directors that have made the jump into making American films. Cause I'm like, Nope, they've done feature films. They've been, yeah. These feature films have been shown all over the world at festivals and con and, and what have you. So I can't, you know, draw that line there. So it was really hard. Um, yeah, like you, I went first initially to like the AFI 100 top directors. And then I went through all that whole list. And then I found the top 100 modern directors. Okay. Uh, and so I started going through that list because I was really trying to focus on not just defaulting to white male dudes. I wanted to f see if there was a way that I could say to myself, okay, this film qualifies. It's just as good, if not better. So I just didn't know this, this was this person's third film. So I did my best uh, to try to incorporate um, what I honestly believe are the top 10 for me today after factoring in all that stuff. But it was a lot, dude. It was a lot. Yeah, we should have set like some sort of time parameter of the last 10 years or of the last 20 years. So yeah, the two thousands, the last 22 years. 
well, it means we can revisit it sometime and, and slice the split the atom if we want to down the road. Um, this is more of a general overview for sure. Um, yeah, what? Uh, yeah, Nick Baldwin uh, saying, yeah, I was just going to say it had to take so much extra work. Ha ha. Yes, absolutely, Nick. Um, yeah, it's a shitload of work. Yes. Good to see you. Although, Embrace your geekness in here. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I wish I had done the, I'm going to search for the top 100 directors or whatever, the FI list yeah. and all that, because it might have been easier, because I went through my memory Rolodex and then was just every movie I can think of. Oh, what about such and such? He started in this. Who directed that? Oh, yeah. And then I go to that director and then go through yeah. their IMDb. Yeah. And then I also did the uh, their first film. Yes. Needed to be close to a feature length. So like somewhere around 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if it's a it's an hour and five minutes, I'm not count that's not a feature film. Yeah, agreed, agreed, agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like I, I'm excluding that as the first one and then starting the count. And it hurt me. Sometimes it's just like, well, shit, right. if I did include that, then the third film is excellent. Right, right. But I I can't because that's the rule that I set up. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, so it's like if the first one was somewhere around uh ninety minutes. So if it's like an hour twenty-four, that's fine. Right. Uh, but I'm trying to get it to 90 minutes as my first, as counting that as the first feature film that they put yeah. out, yeah. uh, still made it a Herculean task. Yeah. I, I, at some point I just started going to Wikipedia and typing in the names and going, okay, what does Wikipedia say is their feature film debut? And then okay. to count from there. So, um, there was one that got eliminated because they had some weird Chinatown film in their uh, filmography that was their third film and the fourth film was some incredible film that I couldn't include. So it was just like, Oh my God, this is so frustrating. Oh God. I don't know if it was Ang Lee or Fukunaga. It was one of those two guys. And I can't remember which one it was. It might be, it might be Fukunaga. Um, But I was looking at it and I was just like, Oh man. Yeah. There's a, so, you know, the Korean, Japanese, Asian directors. Yeah, you go look at them and be like, I can't, I can't legitimately get the third. I don't, I don't know the first two. I don't, right. definitely don't know the third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> some other ones where you're like, like Sydney Lumet, oh. Old Angry Man is the first one, and then it's yeah. a while until there's another a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And just like, well, shit, Sydney, I, I think you're great, but no, or Robert Altman. It's like, yeah. I'm sorry, your third one is not in contention. I just put nope next to his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's quite a few of those where you're like, you're an amazing director. It's just this is the parameter of third film for Jordan Peele's nope coming out. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, it was it was Fukunaga because he has he has seen Nombre, which I still have not seen, but I should definitely fucking see. Chinatown Film Project, Jane Eyre, and then it's Beasts of No Nation. So mm. Beasts of No Nation would have totally made the cut um but it didn't uh it, it didn't uh, because of that Chinatown film project which is considered a feature film release i could not include beasts of no nation so yeah going <sighs> through imdb's there're quite a few guys yeah uh or quite a few directors let's say that yeah. cuz i but that uh uh have like 50 music videos yeah <laughs> fincher yeah or Spike yeah. Jones, Jesus. Spike Jones, Michael Bay. Like, Ooh. there's several that are just like, man, you worked your ass off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a long time. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine 
his, I guess they'd be common law married now. Okay. They've been up together for 10 years or whatever. Yeah. For, for longer than that off and on, but they've lived together for 10 years. Gotcha. And, uh, she, she basically is executive producer on music videos. So they don't really have EPs, but she's the one that sets up and gets the hair and makeup and gets the cinematographer and does, uh, all that stuff. So through her, I've met uh, a few of those guys and they're all characters. I will say that (laughs) they were all characters. She's got some great stories. <laughs> like you ever seen that vi- that clip where the people were jumping so much at a Foo Fighters concert in New Zealand they registered seismic activity? I've heard of that. I don't know. I didn't see the video. I didn't know there was a video. Oh my yeah, God. yeah. She okay. was there taping it for the Foo Fighters. And she <laughs> described that to me, and I was like, "Oh my God!" She's got a, like a million stories like that. That was a cool one though, where it's just like you could feel it in there, and then to find out afterwards that they were registering seismic, you know, activity. It's like, right. oh, that's that's really cool. Well, it's like, uh, what's his face? Um, Seattle, that stadium, right? They registered it by earthquake numbers or whatever it is, by the Richter scale, the sounds. Uh, the 12th men? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because the stadium is so, like, it bur- bends in on itself from the yeah. stands that it contains the sound into a kind of a valley there. And apparently you can measure it on the Richter scale when it gets real loud like when um really skittles did that move and destroyed the entire saint secondary on the run to the end zone they measured the sound and it was it was out of control how loud it was in there through that whole uh development of that play so yeah oof yeah, i don't know why more teams don't design that way yeah right to have the sound point. bounce back in i mean i guess it helps when you have billions of dollars in an ownership but uh, it, does, yes. it, it doesn't hurt. Yes. Agreed. Uh, <laughs> it just seems, yeah. Once you see that and they have such a distinct advantage. Yeah. From their fan base uh, that more teams would take advantage of that, but you know, uh, teach their own, but yeah, I mean, it, crazy hard list. I did the same <sighs> thing as, as you did on some level. I was like, all right, I, I got enough white dudes. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's start looking at it. It's a lot I'm of like, white dudes. I'm not and guaranteeing I, that my list doesn't have almost all white dudes. I'm just saying I tried. I really I'll tell you tried. this. I'll be honest right now. My list yeah. is all white dudes. <laughs> <laughs> and I did my damnedest. I searched because I was like, it can't be all yeah. white. There's got to be. Yeah. And it's just like the, the Korean director thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I cannot legitimately say. Right. Like, like Bong, Bong Joon-ho. I'm sorry, I haven't seen the first. Yeah, right. A few. It's just it's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then like there's also the problem of uh, uh, Buster Keaton or Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, or Chaplin. Right, exactly. Because like, like, well, do the shorts count? Do they not count? Do the do yeah? Do they not? When does it get the feature? But then right. once you get the feature, like it's the general yeah. is only an hour and five or seven minutes or something. Right. That's Keaton. Yeah. And then yeah. Then you but that's Chaplin. Chaplin's an hour and 10, an hour and 12. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I was like, well, technically, <laughs> yeah. if it was inching, if it was like 125, I could start the count there, but I was, I, yeah. I just couldn't. I was like, there's too many. It was a different ball game at that point. But it was illuminating for me going back, you know, because I love to go back and see old films from directors. And I was like, I almost made a separate list of films that I want to see from 
certain directors that I've never seen or even fucking heard of. Yeah. Like there, there were some, there was a couple of Sam Peckinpahs that I'd never heard of. Um, there were some Elia Kazan stuff. There was some, yeah. some Elia Kubrick, got, you know, yeah. Yeah. Elia got uh, chopped off. Kubrick yep. got chopped off. Yep. Yep. Uh, I had a few of those old school directors, like John Ford couldn't make the cut. William John Wyler. Houston couldn't make the cut. Yeah. John Houston couldn't make the cut. Billy Wilder couldn't make the cut. Billy Wilder. Yeah. I've got them all written down oh. as nopes next to him. And you're looking yeah. at that and like, that's a murderer's row of yeah, nopes. Right. Just straight across the board. Every one of those guys. Yeah. And there's even, you know, there's female <laughs> directors that are amazing on this. Catherine Bigelow. I'm yeah. sorry. You didn't make it. Your third film is it. not. Yeah. It's, it's not good enough. Yeah. Do you have others on your list that I think are amazing? Yeah. Zero Dark Thirty is incredible. Yeah, exactly. I watched it uh, last year at some point. And I do want to say this right off the bat. Like this, this is for me, at least speaking for me, this is my list. Now, I, I'm embarrassed yeah. on a, of a couple of these, but you know what? They made the list and they qualified. So look at all these Mia Culpas were given. <laughs> because you're right. There's a murderer's row of great directors whose third films are just not. Not uh, on anything like even Coppola. I couldn't even put Coppola nope. on my list because Coppola like, does not oh, make my list. Spoiler alert: Scorsese yeah. doesn't make mine either. Yeah, Scorsese was close for me, but in the end, it's not a film that I. It's not a film I go back to. Watch. I've seen it yeah. once. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, the people that hold it in high regard, you can explain it to me. I just don't agree. And yeah, and Scorsese has you know a movie that's in contention of my favorite of all time in Goodfellas. Yeah. I, I think you. I think you can go back and have a conversation about. Um, that film and its importance to his overall resume and his development sure. maker at the time. But it is not a film that I don't know many people, if any, that go, oh, man, put on that film. I really want to watch that film. You know? Yeah, you talk about in the importance of his legacy and helping yeah. him identify his style and find his voice. Yeah. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, I watched it to, <sighs> you know, to be a completist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And saw it, and I was like, well, I've seen it. So, right. Uh, I don't know that I'll go back to rewatch it. Well, I feel the Matt pain for once because I don't always you feel the Matt pain of like, well, there's 30 films in contention for number 10. But this list, absolutely. I felt the no struggle to see which one I'm going to put at 10 because there are so many great films that could still qualify for number 10 and and nine even. And I'm not sure if... They were the right choice, but they're the right yeah. choice today. True. So, yeah. Yeah, from that 140-something uh, uh, list, yeah, I narrowed that down to 32 on the yeah. old spreadsheet. Yeah. And then from 32, I narrowed it down to 11, and then I just took my 10 of those 11. <laughs> and I didn't even like yeah. that. I was like, I might do a top 11 for the first time ever. Yeah, and I had to kick one off that I didn't want to kick off, but I had to look at myself in the mirror and say, you've got to kick it off. You've got to put yourself aside and have some respect for the list and the directors that didn't make the list and remove this one movie. And it is number one in my honorable mentions. And I have, what, like 24 honorable mentions? So I had to do it, though. I had to fucking do it. It's hard. Yeah, even... Even on my contentions list, there's still some more from the previous list where I'm like, they could have yeah. made contentions. They're still so, in an argument in my head. As you just said that, I thought to myself, this could be like an all NBA team. There's like second team, all NBA, third yeah. team, all NBA. I definitely have three all NBA teams that could 
And then fan bases that are pissed off that their guy didn't make it on. (laughs) And they're, they're not wrong. It's just like, well, who are you kicking off? That's always the discussion with any of those all-star all NBA. It's like, that's fine. You, I agree. That player is excellent. (laughs) Who are you taking off this list? Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is difficult. I know. Look at this. When's the last time we both in union hemmed and hawed before we actually got into the list itself? I I don't even want, like, I'm almost afraid to start the list because I'm going to have to officially kick off these other films and say they don't qualify, which is just heartbreaking because there are some damn good movies that both classics and modern films that, that I can't, that I couldn't like say to myself, yes, this is in the top 10. I fought to keep two of them on there for my own stubborn love of these films. And you could argue you Matt or anybody listening or watching can argue that they don't belong above my other honorable mentions. But for sure. me, this is our lists. So this is the fi- this is a film that I go back to, or these two films are films I go back to and watch all the time. And I think they're quietly great films for their genres. Uh, and so I have to fight for that. When I had to cut off, man. There's, I mean, just looking at my next 10 and I'm just like, man, there's some really banger, the good bangers in that fucking yeah. second 10. I, I just, I did it by eventually some were no brainers and be like, you're making it on. There yeah, were a couple right. of those, which is like, that's right. a no brainer. You're making it on. Right. But others are like, you know what? I know that I, a, I've, they've been out for long enough where I am more apt to rewatch this one. Yeah, than that one. It's yeah. nothing against B. It's just A. I'll watch it ten times. B. I'll watch nine times. Right. Type of thing. Uh, yeah. so that's how I made the decision. Ultimately, it's just like the rewatchability yeah. was a bigger factor in all this for me. Right. But still, I am. I'm questioning my list, staring at it as we're talking. Going, <laughs> do I really? Especially at nine and ten. Yeah. Or eight, nine, and ten. It's just like, dude, there's a lot that yeah. you, I could easily say. Well. But this one had more of an impact. I'll tell you that. There's one, my 11, I was flabbergasted in the theater after seeing it the first time. Just gobsmacked going, that was amazing. Amazing. And I've since watched it one or two times, but I don't know how many more times I'm going to go back to rewatch it. Yeah. yeah. But it was, I mean, I my eyes hurt because I wasn't blinking during the movie. That's wow. how transfixed I was. Wow. And it's number 11. <laughs> That's that's where we're at. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, yeah. So thank you to everyone who's joining us live. These are the perks you get um, when you're a $10 and above patron of the top 10 is that you get to come in every second and fourth Thursday of the month and you watch us live as we struggle with this. And you get it one, two, three, four, five, six, five, six days ahead of everybody else. So I think it's five days ahead of everybody else. So you get to like feel that um, superiority factor in the Patreon. So God love you. Um, but there is so much uh, to get into. Wow. Wow. We've spent 20 minutes. Just wow. It's the first time we've, sh- I think in recent memory or we've shot the shit about the list before getting into any kind of regular stuff. So should we just jump into it or do you need no. to talk about something else and take a break be- before we jump into this list and commit to our tens? Oh, I mean, it's, you know, do, do you want more time to think about the ritual suicide before you do it? Or you just want to do it and get it over with? 
<laughs> no, I think you got to go the Japanese route, man. Yeah, just take it. You just got to get it over with, don't you? you? Yeah. Do the cut. <laughs> what a brutal way to die. I know, right? What gutsy. a brutal way to Gutsy, but brutal. Gutsy, yeah, nice, nice uh, uh, pun. Oh, that's, I think that's right. exactly I a pun, but uh, I should have said that. Oh man, what a because you're supposed you. to finish it. You're supposed to finish the move across the stomach, then up. I think that's the move, and so I don't know how many people get to the up part before they, you know, die or just start to bleed out and don't have the strength to go up the rib cage um, with the blade. So. Good times. Good times. <laughs> this is what it feels like. This list is what it feels like. No it, I, it really does. It really does. And even uh, after all that work, I still feel like it's incomplete. Yeah. Yeah. No, a thousand percent. Yeah. A thousand put, percent. This is more work than, than I think either of us has put into a list. Not yeah. to say that we don't work hard on other lists, but of course, yeah. when every director that's ever made a film is in contention, <laughs> a third film at least. Yeah. Yeah. A third film at least. And thankfully, some some people's IMDb's are, are much more shallow than others. Yes, so you can yeah. easily go through and be like, "Nope, all right, moving on." Uh, the worst is when you're scrolling through well, and there's like a bunch of shorts, and then there's a few mixed in. So you yeah, have to you've click got on like, those yeah. to figure out. Or at least I did to figure out the runtime. Yeah. Uh that's what I did initially, and then I just started going to Wikipedia because because they separate the shorts from the features. So I was like, "Perfect, boom, da da da, boom, da da da, boom." Yeah, but uh, I almost was happy when I would see um, one where they were like, yeah, nope, uh, like a classic filmmaker that has all these other films ahead of. Yeah, before they get into their. Yeah, yeah. Their run that we know. Right, exactly. That have held up. Uh, But yeah, all right. You ready to rip this Uh, Band-Aid off? Let's do it. Go ahead, man. How's the show work? Uh, we set a topic. We go our individual ways. Create personal top ten list. Show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one piece. Once we have revealed our personal top ten list, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. So, yes. All love and respect to everything that's not going to make this list. <laughs> all love and respect. All love and respect. A ten. Yes. I've got uh, Sergio Leone's for a few dollars more. Yes, that is also my 10, son. Nice. Wow. A lot of things. Yeah. A lot of things are are basically in that Mexican standoff at the end with them. (laughs) (laughs) They've got their guns drawn. And who's wins the pocket watches music going to stop playing before guns start firing? So good. So good. And unfortunately, everybody was on the uh, bad guy side compared to Sergio. Uh a great in the in the you know dollars trilogy yes an excellent penultimate before the good the bad and the ugly all three of them are good films man that people don't talk about this trilogy enough when they talk about the greatest trilogies ever it's always like oh back to the future or fucking lord of the rings or whatever and it's like nah dog not nah, or the batman nolan not nah, dog the this trilogy is fucking excellent all three of them are damn good uh, and are completely different um, from each other, which makes them even more incredible, even though they have the through line of Clint Eastwood in all three of them. So, yeah. Perhaps just because it wasn't initially set up as a trilogy, people don't think of it as such. Maybe, maybe. 
because you know he's the man with no name, but in this one he does have a name. Yes. So it kind of throws you off, like, uh, oh, I thought we had it's it to me. It's closer to like the the Cornetto mm. trilogy, mm. where it's like there's certain things that elements that tie them through, right? But it's not necessarily the continuation of a single character storyline type of situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So perhaps that's that's why. Uh, <laughs> but this one's really you know really good. It's just this one gang leader does some terrible terrible things oh yeah to a guy's sister that you don't find out until the end yeah and then eastwood kind of allies with the uh, the guys the the brother of the yes. fallen sister right and the two of them team up to take down the shit heel and uh, it's that rare good guy performance from lee van cleef it's that true. rare and considering he's going to be absolutely brutal as a villain in the next film, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, he is fantastic here as a good guy uh, in this film. So, yeah. Yeah, he's not quite anti-hero. No. But, I mean, they are, like, you know, helping rob banks and, and right. whatnot to, to lay the, the groundwork to get the trust of, I want to say the bad guy's name is Indio. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember... Is Eastwood's is Mon something? The man with no name, man. Man, man, something. No, it's like it's like an actual name. Man with no name. Uh, <laughs> Monco. Yes, Monco. Yeah, El Indio is the is the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, Indio. And then I couldn't tell you. And and a young yeah. Klaus Kinski is the hunchback. That's Klaus Kinski. Who's in another movie, I believe, that did not make my list. <laughs> Still yeah. haven't seen it. The bad guy is also in Fistful of Dollars. So, you know, there's there are actors who kind of like reappear in the trilogy, but not as the same roles or the same characters. So it's kind of an uh, interesting way to approach it. But yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Nick Pollan said, wow, y'all must be really afraid to show the list if we are getting into this level of detailed thought. On Hari Kari. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, it wasn't fun, guys. No, it was. <laughs> I mean, it was fun going through and seeing all this, oh, like sure. you said before, and seeing like, uh, oh, certain certain people I thought would be no-brainers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to come to find out for this criteria, technically no. And then you yeah. see like the, it's either 15 movies before you get into the heart of what I know or. Yeah. Three is fine, but two, four, five, whatever are excellent type of situations. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so at nine, okay. kind of surprised by this one. But, okay. Uh, uh, I'm going with uh, Ryan Johnson's Looper. Ooh, nice choice. That is on my third NBA team, all NBA team. So nice. Okay, go ahead. It's the rewatchability that bumps mm -hmm. it up for me. Mm -hmm. It's a, you know, we've seen time travel movies. Yes. But not like this, where you're closing the loop, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's got a great, you know, it, it has a good understanding of the rules of its uh, universe. Mm -hmm. So it's easy for us to follow. Right. Even though it's a relatively complex idea, it's kind of like everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. They explain it, and then they just move forward and assume you know. 
And Looper does a lot of the same thing of like, here's what it is. And now we're just going to keep continue on with this uh, storyline. Yeah. And it, it puts you into the thought processes of these individuals. Would you make this same choice? Yeah. Knowing you're going to have all the money you could ever spend, but there is an expiration date coming at some point. Yeah. And it's much sooner than everyone else's. And would you, you know, rebel against that, not go quietly into that night. And you never know. Like, yeah. Yeah. Until you face that situation, you just don't have the slightest clue as to what's going on. And I'm still baffled by why that kid, we haven't seen him more because he's yeah. transfixing in that movie. He's holds his own in every one. Yeah. Like easily steals uh, scenes. I think it's Pretty- some of the best work by everybody involved in the film from Jeff Daniels to, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt to Bruce, who does a great Bruce Willis to Bruce Willis to Emily Blunt. There's just so much talent on the screen, and of course you've got Ryan Johnson, one of the best filmmakers currently alive, um, bringing such a fantastic film uh, to bear here with incredible visuals as well. I mean, that's mm-hmm. when the kid uses his powers. That is chilling. That is damn near horrifying when you see the level of power that the kid actually possesses right um so it's just like all of that so you're seeing the madness in a small micro way where you're seeing you know he's trying to he works for jan daniels who's a bit of a shit heel and you know his son is a bit of a dick so he's got to figure this all and he uses that to his advantage and so that's the smaller story but then the larger story is the thing with the uh, with the, the mother and the child and it's like okay how is that going to play itself out how are you going to play this um to uh, kind of stop what's coming. And yeah. so it's so interesting is the it, questions they ask of you as an audience member. Yeah. Is it fate that inevitably mm-hmm. he's going to do this and there's nothing you can do to change that? Or is Emily Blunt wants to be the case? Yeah. Now that I have this information, I can influence, I can change him. You can't, yeah. you can't end him before he has the opportunity to, I mean, basically it's like a, precogs in minority yeah, yeah yeah great point yeah, yeah, yeah um and plus like when you see it a second time that garrett dillahunt scene where the kid oh. just flat out crushes him yeah and when you watch it a second time when uh i don't know who it is because it's such a tiny role they get on the phone and they're at the hospital trying yeah. to track down the records and you see everything going to shit behind them yeah 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 you get you see what a kid Later on, yeah. his his burgeoning ability, I can only imagine as a grown adult man, 30 some odd years old or whatever he is, right. destroying that. Like he may not even need to be within a few blocks. Right. Just senses the danger at that hospital, has the, the power and ability to tear it down mm. to its studs. It's it's I don't know. It's got a great yeah. uh, confidence behind it from uh, from Johnson from yeah. start to finish. Agreed. Absolutely agreed, man. It's, yeah, and this it's, might be one of the last gasps of Bruce Willis putting out some quality work. Yeah, I think it is, to be honest with you. I don't think there's a way back with what he's got, unfortunately. So, yeah. No. Do you see that Brad Pitt thing that he may have face blindness? Oh, dude. What is going on, man? Like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they should make a movie about this. <laughs> All these. I mean, we lost Sonny Corleone, Polly Walnuts, and... Uh, who was the other person uh, within like a month, within six, 30 days? It was crazy. What, so, Leota? Yeah, Leota. There you go. Yeah, within 30 days. And then 
the thing with uh, Justin Bieber's face and now what you talk about, the face blindness here and then what Bruce Willis' diagnosis a couple months ago, like it's fucking crazy, man. It's crazy. Beans is supposed to be fine, isn't it? That's all I know. I don't know. Okay. I, don't know. I didn't hear about it until after it was like on the other side of the title well, of everybody a- coming to understanding of it. I don't think he's doing anything yet. I don't think he's been on camera yet to see if it's good or not. And was it Linda Evangelista? Did you hear about her? She was a great supermodel in the 90s. She was in the mm. George Michael video. And she caught some kind of moth disease on her face or so. Oh, no, there was a bi- Oh, that's so sorry. There was terrible plastic surgery because she had been working on something and then got infected and it like her face. And so she's just now, after all this time, coming out into the public and being willing to show her face because of what happened. So it's just uh-huh. like, fuck, man, I get so I, as I get older, man, it's you, you see how people get diseases or get stuff happen to them as they get older. And you're just like, fuck your, your greatness or your prime is gone essentially. And now you've got to deal with this and how you navigate this. You know, it's heartbreaking. Like I was watching that um, unrivaled documentary on ESPN 30 for 30, the, um, Colorado Avalanche versus the Red Wings, that whole rivalry from the 90s, which I fucking loved in the NHL. Okay. And they talked about how that uh, Russian guy, oh, God, K something. I can't remember what his last name was. Kazilnov or something like that. Two days or three days after they win the Stanley Cup, they're out at a fucking bar with the Stanley Cup, drinking, having a good time. They've got a limo driver there. The limo driver picks them up. The limo driver had a suspended license, had had issues with driving drunk, issues with using substance substance abuse as he was driving. So he, I don't know how the fuck he was hired by a limo company. He loses control of the limo because he's probably hired drunk himself, slams into the tree in this, at full speed. And I think it's Kazelnikov or whatever. He's in the back seat of the limo without a seatbelt on, goes flying through the fucking glass, man, from oh. by the back of the limo. And he was... Like they thought he he was gonna die. They thought, but when he came, he was essentially wheelchair ridden, can barely talk, understand stuff, but can barely talk. And you're just like, see, like you're at the prime of your life. You're married. You have a beautiful child. You won the fucking Stanley Cup. You beat a hated rival to get there, and this happens to you out of the blue. And so it's just like, fuck, man, it's scary. It's scary. Yeah. You just never know. Yeah, NHL 98, I played that a bunch. Oh, yeah. Uh, the uh, uh, Avalanche of those two top-tier teams, the Avalanche were my favorite. That's right. Joe Sackick. Yeah, yeah. I remember Sackick and I, a I few others. I my, yeah. Most of my NHL knowledge comes from NHL. <laughs> playing the game. <laughs> a, few, a few different years. I, it, I think it's one of the best sports games. Oh, agreed. Oh, my God. Yeah, I still get it every year on EA. It's only three things I get every year. FIFA, NHL, and Matt. Those are the only three every year. Just to have fun with them, you know. Uh, but I usually wait till Black Friday so I can get them half off. Um, Smart. All right. Where 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 do we leave off at? Eight? Number eight? Your eight? What's your eight? Uh, my eight is Miller's Crossing. from the That is my eight. Yes. Wow, we've got two. That, oh, okay. Wow. Let's do it. I figure the top few on our list are going to be the same. I don't know. Who knows? That was my guess upon originally uh, making this. Uh, Yeah, it's the rewatchability. I'm a big fan. Me too. And it's 
so well cast, so well written, so well acted. If you like the Coens, it's really kind of when they were like, when they went full Cohen. Yeah, when they were hungry. You could feel it trending in this direction if you go back and watch their movies. Mm-hmm. And this one is just, it's its full on. We have a few different storylines, but Gabriel Burns is the one that carries it through. You have rivaling mob factions with Albert Finney and uh, uh, is it Marsha Gay Harden? Marsha Gay Harden. Yep. Yeah, love interest. And then her brother is Totoro, but Totoro is kind of a shit heel. Yeah. And, wants, and the Italian mob wants to kill Totoro uh, for fixing a boxing fight or fucking with their fix. I can't remember. Yes. Specifically. Yeah. Uh, uh, horse race and boxing fight. Yes. Okay. And then Finney won't agree to the kill because he's sleeping with Marsha Gay Harden. He, he, yeah. Even though Gabriel Byrne is seeing all the angles and telling him you're getting played. Right. And he's like, I don't care. I'm the biggest thing in this town. And you can just tell from Gabriel Burns, like how much longer do you think that's going to last? Right. And it's a beautiful, plus all the, the, the Cohen esque, you know, you give me the hi hat. Yeah. Type of dialogue, so good it is. It's it's if you like the Coens, it is just full. It's the first time where they just go full Cohen. Yeah, yeah, agreed, man. I mean, this is one of my. I just bought it on because the Criterion Collection is happening right now, fifty percent off. I just bought it, fifty percent off. No lie, dude. I just did. It's right here, uh, and I was because it's going right now. Barnes and Noble, Ooh, get it in there, get it in there, fifty percent off. First of all, I couldn't believe they did a Criterion version of this, so I was so happy they did this. And then when it finally became fifty percent off, I went and got it. Um, hey, there's a four K Johnny Numana coming out. You going to pick that up? <laughs> yeah, I don't understand how some things are four K and some things aren't. It's my, like there's no four K of the Abyss, but we somehow have a four K. Of that film, Johnny Mnemonic, or that terrible monsters film with um, Mila Jovovich from last year. Like, what the fuck, man? Give me the really. They made a 4K of that. Yeah, whatever it's called, I can't remember what it was called. But yeah, they got a 4K, all kinds of terrible fucking films. So, but yeah, anyway, yeah, and and, um, I can't wait to dive into all the new special features and shit and the breakdown of it because this is this is arguably my top, my favorite Coen Brothers film. It may not be the number one film because I think. No Country for Old Man is very, very difficult to beat, but it is absolutely one of my favorites um, to go back and revisit and quote. And you're right. I mean, the dialogue here is just so note perfect for that time, feels authentic. The way they shot the film feels authentic for an Irish gangster film during Prohibition. And the performances, Gabriel Byrne, just those, just he's just a hangdog alcoholic. And when you find out what he's doing and the reasons behind it, it's such a great twist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, all these great actors in this, they get a chance to be leads like John Polito, who who's an, who's a, a character actor, but he's yeah. essentially the main villain in the whole move. Him and J.E. Freeman uh, are just fantastic uh, as the Dane and, uh, and, and um, Johnny Gasparo. Just so good. And even Francis McDormand has this quick little cameo, which is great. Um, so, yeah. All across the board, a fantastic film, a great Irish gangster film, good soundtrack too from Carter Burwell, great score, all of it, just so good, man. So, yeah, it's fuck, fucking one of the best. Um, all right, so that was your eight. That was my eight. Yep, we have the same tens. So then, my nine is the Royal Tenenbaums from Wes Anderson. Uh, go for it. Yeah, I love this film. Absolutely love this film. Also available in Criterion. I bought it years ago, and I just I like watching this film. 
because I really enjoy the performances. I enjoy the dialogue, uh, the narrative of the story. Gene Hackman, this is one of the most delicious Gene Hackman performances ever. Like, he is having so much fucking fun in this film. Stiller, I think this is an extension of who Ben Stiller is in real life, this kind of, like, hyper paranoid dude, uh, all of that stuff there. Owen, I mean, oh, yeah, Owen and Luke Wilson do great work. And Paltrow is, this is when Paltrow was, before she went all goop and nuts, she was really good in these films like this and Seven, right around the 90s, Sliding Doors, all that stuff. And I love her in this movie. So all of it across the board, I think the, the visuals here, the style of the movie, this is peak Wes Anderson. Uh, yeah. And I enjoy it. Um, and the voiceover from Baldwin is really well done as well to get you into the mood of the movie. And even the, some of the score, some of the songs on the soundtrack, like the Nikos songs, the um, Velvet Underground. Julio. Yeah, yeah. All of that just kind of really gives so much life to this film, which is essentially kind of a period piece in the 1970s in New York. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And you said that Gene Hackman having so much fun. I think that was on camera only because yeah. by all accounts, <laughs> he was kind of a dick to Anderson. Yeah, probably so much. so that Bill Murray would show up on his off days. Oh, I forgot Bill was there. Yeah. Time. To stand up for Anderson, to let Hackman know <laughs> you don't get just to bully the entire cast crew and everybody. Yeah. Ironically someone here to stand up. Yeah, I know <laughs> now after, yeah, ask Lisa Lou about that. <laughs> yeah, numerous people, it looks like, over the years. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, but um, the guy was essentially revitalizing Bill Murray's career, so I, I I wouldn't be... I'm not surprised that he showed up on set to try to defend him. Like, hey, don't fuck with my boy. He's giving me work. Don't fuck with my boy. Um, anyway, I just love the film, and, it's, uh, and I like what it has to say about mental health. I like what it has to say about family, and I like what it has to say about the pressures of achieving and the dark side of being an achiever uh in life you know so yeah i'm in agreement that that one uh rushmore and fox yeah i think are all really rewatchable of his and then after that it's a mixed bag for me Mm. and i think i'm kind of andersoned out like i didn't see the french dispatch because i just didn't care yeah just kind of hit that wall you know after like moonrise kingdom and Isle of Dogs, and I was like, these really aren't hitting for me as as well as they used to. Right. Uh, and Zisu never, I liked it, but every, some people just the quirkiness of it really spoke to them. Zisu's way out there, man. Yeah. yeah. And and I hate Darjeeling Limited. Well, you're not alone. Yeah, and I'm not the biggest fan of Bottle Rocket, even though I know a lot of people love it. It just isn't my favorite of theirs. So, okay. It's a dig at Johnny uh, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Khan, isn't it? <laughs> no, I love Jimmy. Jimmy Khan, the late great Jimmy Khan. Um, all right, so what's your seven, man? Uh, my seven is uh, John Carpenter's Halloween. Oh yeah, that dude. I had to make that cut. I'm glad it's on your list. I had to make that cut. Go <laughs> ahead, man. Fuck. See, the reason it makes is because it's. I don't watch horror. Yeah. You yeah. don't really watch horror. Not you really, may watch not, more than I do. Yeah, but, probably, but not I'm not I don't run it's not a genre I run to. Me either. Yeah. And this one is so good, mm-hmm. it elevates above just being a simple genre film. Yeah, yeah. 
the tension of a guy just slowly walk, the impending death is so effective. <laughs> yeah. And you know it was shot on a shoestring, a shoestring budget, and it doesn't look like it. They maximized every single dollar that they had. Like my favorite story of that is they shot that here in Southern California yeah. where, you know, it's shot in the fall. So there should be leaves all over the ground, which isn't the case here. Yeah. So they had bags of, of deciduous tree leaves that had fallen off others and they'd put them out and they'd run some fans and it would blow the leaves out. And then PAs had to go around and collect the fucking leaves. Oh, Jesus Christ. Because we don't have that here, and we only have so much, and it's not like we're made of fucking leaves on this budget. Right, right. So go pick that up. Just all the small little things there. The the William Shatner mask is perfect. Oh, genius. And they just ran to the, the Halloween store and grabbed the first mask that they could, and just like, yes. perfect choice. Perfect <laughs> choice. Just so much so that they reference it in Stranger Things. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. Right. Just out of nowhere and be like, oh, I, I, I've got something that I don't, I still don't know why they needed a mask in that moment. He was the only one with one on. Right. When they stole that RV. But I think it was in the stand. They were trying to make up. You know, yeah. Just throw it in there as, uh, oh, this is of the moment type of thing. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those, uh, they never re need to remake it. Yeah. Until it really doesn't stand up or hold up anymore. And I still think it does. Yeah. Um, but thankfully zombie is, is remaking the monsters because oh, that, <laughs> that I don't see many trailers, but when Rob zombie puts one out, baby, I'm watching that looks so terrible. It was, like, it, honestly, terrible doesn't even do justice to how yeah. bad that looks. I agree. <laughs> is it, it's supposed to be a comedy, not the comedic timing here looks way off. Uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah. I just think. Very few horror films elevate above the genre and get to somewhere where I'm going to see it. Yeah. Or all the recommendations end up being true. And uh, Halloween does that for me. So it's, like, oh, yeah. it's undeniable. I think it's still good. I could watch it every year if need be. Yeah. So uh, my second team, it's in my second team. And I was, and I, I had to talk myself into removing it off the list for other films because I was like, well, there are moments that are a bit dated. Um, you know, you have the male gaze situation. So this is the this is what I told myself. Do you know what I'm saying? So sure. I'm to find saying, reasons. Yeah, exactly. I had to find reasons. Yeah. And so those were the reasons I told myself. But you're absolutely right. It's a fucking classic. The uh, the impending doom, all of that. But Jamie Lee Curtis delivering a, a performance for the ages um, and, you know, creating that genre of The Last Girl or whatever it is, or creating that um, – trope of the last girl alive um and the score here is fantastic too to, to kind of under mm -hmm. line how dangerous the situation is um and the guy who played michael i mean just from the beginning with the little kid in the mask stabbing his sister and then they pull it off and they pull away you're just like oh my god what what utter terror yeah um and then him breaking out in the rain with the nurse there and um and then donald pleasance who is so great um as his character yeah yeah dr loomis coming after him it's so good michael michael you know that whole element where he's half trying to save him and half wanting yeah. to kill him which is great so yeah there's so much to enjoy in that film broke my heart to move it off the top 10 uh all right so what's your six 
Uh, my six is a personal choice. Okay. They're all personal choices, but okay. I know it's not going to be on your list. Okay. Which is uh, Linklater's Dazed and Confused. Oh, yeah. I had a feeling it would make your list. It's on my down on my third team uh, uh, contention. But, yeah, that I had a feeling it would be on your list. Go it's ahead. got it, – it will always have a soft spot in my heart mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, it's a, a movie about teenagers basically okay. just partying, having a good time. Yeah. The dynamics of of that life, but uh, that movie, when it came to VHS at that time, yeah, uh, was right when my friends and I started smoking pot. Oh, so that was a movie we had on all the time, yeah, just in yeah, the yeah. background and stuff. I, I've seen Dazed and Confused. It takes me back to a very particular moment in my life. Oh, okay, and uh, it's the introduction to so many different actors right they're going to be part of our cinematic lives mm-hmm. for decades to come yeah yeah i mean technically affleck is probably the most established yeah 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 and he's got a tiny part in this what isn't you know, zellweger in this too oh zellweger parker posey yeah. uh matthew mcconaughey right. uh goldberg yeah um, right Oh, uh, Rory Calhoun, right? Oh, Rory, yeah, Rory Cochran. Sorry, Rory Cochran. Rory Cochran, yeah. Right. Who's had a nice resurgence in the past yeah. like five, six years. Yeah, yeah. Um, it looks, but, I mean, it looks so different. Dude. Um, yeah, Joey most, Lauren Adams is in this. Joey right? Lauren Adams, nice pull. Rabisi's sister, although you don't see much of her. Yeah. Um, oh, Anthony uh, starts with an R. He does a lot oh, of Anthony rap. Yeah, rap. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Star Trek. What is it? One of the London brothers, the main yeah. guy. Okay. Yeah, he's pink. Yeah. Um, yeah. A few of the main guys you don't really see all that much. There's a lot of Oscars in that crew. Yeah. Awards, right? She, I mean, McConaughey, McConaughey's character was supposed to be much, much smaller. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And this was his first gig, and they, it just enjoyed his presence so much that Linklater just kept giving him lines. <laughs> <laughs> say this say this yeah that's right. basically what it was hey what about the let's throw this scene in type of thing all right i've i've watched his audition for it and oh, he's wow. just got this swagger and confidence yeah that he takes a lot of that to the part there weren't many alterations although he's a young actor so i don't know how many more you know variations yeah. he's got in his his ability at that point yeah you know that comes with time and and you know experience yeah, yeah. You've uh, got you've got Jovovich in here. Yeah, young Jovovich. She's the stoner's girlfriend. Yeah, Cole Hauser. Who Cole Hauser. That's whose in, name I couldn't pull. I was like, guys, he's in Goodwill. He's like, yeah, he's in Yellowstone. He's one of the big dudes in Yellowstone. Um, wow, there's a lot of people. Nikki Cat, who's a great character actor, you've seen a number of things. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, there's a lot right. of people involved in this one, man. Yeah, there's a ton. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, Affleck and probably Parker Posey have the longest IMDb's. Yeah, of yeah. anybody on this. But when they come to this movie itself, Renee's not even credited. Yeah, she's uncredited. Her part is tiny. Yeah, yeah. She's like, "Fuck it, I just get on a shot, get on a film." Yeah, so she, I mean, she's got an Oscar. Affleck has an Oscar. I don't think Linklater has an Oscar, but no, Connery has an Oscar. Fucking hell. And Parker was like one of the main parts of the independent film movement in the 1990s. So 
and Anthony Rapp was in Rent on Broadway, which mm-hmm. made so much money. Jovovich has her own fucking franchise at Resident Evil shit. Joey, Joey, Joey Lauren went off and did Kevin Smith stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. And Cole's still working. So, fuck, man. Yeah. It's, it's a stack cast, dude. It and is. Goldberg, look at back. Yeah. Yeah. Goldberg's still working. Yep. <clears throat> so, that was your six, right? That was my six. All right. So, the my number seven is uh, uh, In the Name of the Father. Um, from Jim Sheridan. Ooh, good pull. I don't yeah. even know if I have that on my side list. That's oh, one of the directors I may have missed. Yeah, I love that movie. Love that movie so much. Everybody talks about Daniel Day-Lewis and all these other films, and, you know, respect to his performances. But I love him the most in this film. He is more human and vulnerable in this film than just about any other film you see him in. And there's a real evil in this film. Like, there are scenes that are so horrifically evil um, with what the English were doing at the time um, in their battle with the, with the NRA or the IRA rather. Uh, And you have this whole situation where he is, he did something, but it wasn't quite what they said he did. And so in Mm -hmm. in a way he's wrongfully accused, even though he's a little bit guilty of something else. And then they get his father and put him in jail uh, for defending him. So they have to, they have that relationship there in the jail which is crazy for his son. And then yeah. Emma Thompson comes in half Emma Thompson comes in halfway through the movie and has these incredible scenes with these uh dirty policemen uh for lack of a better term in in the film that I think is just stellar. Um there's so much uh heart and emotion and uh, terror and uh um happiness by the end satisfaction I guess. When you're watching this movie, it's it's a really incredible film, and I you know I have a thing for films like this, and uh, this is one that when I saw it on on the thing, I was it fought it fought its way up the chain because I remember how this film makes me feel and the performances and um, the direction and how it really brought you into this world and educated you for real mm-hmm. on what was going on, and so um, and Pete Postlewaite who plays his dad is excellent in the film. Yeah, he is. So that when what happens to him happens to him, you're fucking devastated, man. So that scene where uh, Day Lewis confronts him about basically his being a bad father when they're yeah. in jail cell together. Oh. Apostle Wade is just defiant. Yes, uh, it's it's great. Yeah, uh, and they find a way to repair that relationship in one of the worst places ever. You know, so. Yeah, I guess you only really have two choices in that instance. Do it or don't. Yeah. There's not going to be much of a middle ground because you are going to escape one another. Yeah. People seem to forget about this movie, man. You know, and I I think think it's just the the contrast of early day Lewis versus later. Yeah. 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 Because of, you know, things like there will be blood or or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People gravitate towards that more and watch those more than they do this or My Left Foot or right, right. a few of his other early films. I also think people have a weird aversion to the uh, IRA. To the Irish? Stuff. Yeah, the Irish IRA stuff. Yeah, no, not the Irish. I was just, just the I, yeah, I like just the Irish. People are inherently bigoted towards the Irish. Okay. I mean, I am like a small part Irish, but I get it. I see. <laughs> That's good, man. That's good. <laughs> but no, yeah, I think just this one gets lost. You know, it's kind of like 
this one because like you had those Irish it was Irish film explosion all through the 1990s and certainly this one just seems to get lost sometimes when people talk about like the commitments and other films that came around at that time and this one really merits a rewatch or merits a revisit because there's so much that happens here that I think they do a great job uh, profiling you know even Wilkinson has a small ass role in this thing so oh yeah as a prosecutor um, anyway, all right. So that's my seven. Uh, so then my six is, um, I mean, it's, listen, I'm going to get so much shit for this. I know that once we go into the top five, I'm going to get so much shit for my rankings, but so be it. I can already see the Facebook posts coming in our group. Um, my number six is aliens from James Cameron. Uh, it's a punt. Okay. All right. It's not like a crazy huge punt, but it is a punt. Okay, fair enough. I think I have one in here in my top five that I think people are going to be pissed off about that I have in my top five, but it's in my top five. So, um, All right, so if we're taking a punt, we should take a break then, Matt, uh, right? And here yep. from our sponsors. We'll be right back in one second. See you guys with our top fives momentarily. All right, so there we are. And now we're jumping into our top fives. So at five, uh-huh. uh I have Tim Burton's Batman. Ooh, oh wait, I think I might have the same thing. Yes, Tim Burton's Batman at five. Oh, five, yes. really? Man, that's crazy that we've that's had funny. what we've had in common. We've had it the same spot so far. Yeah, I know it's kind of weird. <laughs> we were dreading this too. We were dreading this. So there are uh, yeah. there were three comic book movies in contention. For five or for the top no. five? For for making this list. Oh right, okay, fair enough. There are three on my honorable mentions. Wow. Well, you got Nolan with Batman Begins, right? Because I'm not counting that first. What is it? Uh, following. Oh, yeah. It's an hour and seven minutes or something. And I was like, that doesn't uh, count. It was a feature film. Uh, I... <laughs> Fine, then it'd be Insomnia. Insomnia is still not making my list. Yeah, it, yeah. Say, I had Insomnia on my uh, second or third team all in all uh, list. Yeah, and the others is Zack Snyder's The Watchmen. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I couldn't. And... I mean, I love the director's cut, but that wasn't what was released. So I have to judge it on what was released, which is the original cut, and I did not like. True. That. Yeah. And none of those happen without this movie. Yeah. 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 Is as much credit as you want to uh, rightly give to Superman. Yes. Opening up the superhero. Batman's what kind of brought it into a more modern age. And then yeah, Iron yeah, yeah. took it to the next level of yeah. opening up to the billion dollar entity that it is now. Yeah. Uh, and it's what really sparked my 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 love of superheroes on film. Right. Because uh, I was never the biggest uh, Superman fan. Batman's my favorite all time character. And this movie, the build up to it. And the movie itself cemented that, and I still watch, you know, everything Batman to this day. And yeah, 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 my all-time favorite. And uh, does the movie have uh, flaws? Yeah, but I don't care, just because mm. I love it just as much. Probably not as much as I did as a kid, but yeah. it's still up there for me. Yeah, yeah. I still find it, you know, wildly entertaining. Yeah. The uh, looking back on it, I know I had mentioned it in a previous show where it came up. Mm-hmm. where I didn't know about the backlash for Keaton just because I was such a big Keaton fan. And you said you remembered it. Yeah. And were yeah. like the rest of the public kind of taken aback of how in the hell is Michael Keaton going to do this? Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't give a shit just because I liked Michael Keaton so much. It was a great, uh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I'm starting to really get into Batman. So even, even better. Yeah. Uh, and it was the perfect storm. And then you throw Jack in there and Kim Basinger 
and uh a solid cast around that but they their parts aren't nearly as big yeah um but it, it still has a resonance the uh set design and whatnot has heavily influenced i think everybody's interpretation of what batman kind of the aura and atmosphere should be yeah yeah uh so much so like the animated show that came years and years later right i don't think it has that noirish kind of style to it if there is no batman from tim burton i'll go one step further matt i mean the fact that we're even getting michael keaton back to play batman um shows you the lasting legacy of this film right i mean people wanting to see him back people clamoring for him to come back as batman and then they found a way to bring him back into the DCU as his version of Batman in Flashpoint and then in Batgirl. So that doesn't happen without this film. Look, Batman Returns is arguably the better of the two now in retrospect, but you can't deny that Keaton's performance is resonant with multiple generations of fans. Mm-hmm. And there, that's why they want. They were so everybody lost their fucking minds when they announced he was coming back to be Batman. And the first pictures of him on the set and everything like that, people went nuts. You know, seeing him reveal the Batmobile or show him in the cowl, as they did in that Flashpoint uh, thing, or the Flash movie thing. That that's just great, you know. And this is, as you said earlier, with Cohen's, this is Burton at his hungriest. Right. This is yeah. Burton wanting to prove himself, you know, wanting to bring that injecting that darkness. And in 1989, this was a pretty dark version of Batman for 1989. And yeah, it was a, a seminal moment in the history of films. We don't have the MCU without this film. We don't have X-Men without this film. Um, and I would we don't even have Blade or the Crow without this film, because I know a no. lot of people feel those two films don't get enough love and they're right. I agree, but also there's no way you pitch those two films without the success of Batman. And so there's so much about this movie. Now, the reason I hire on my list is because I hate Robert Wool in the film. I don't like the, what they do to Kim Basinger and her character in the film, turn her into a damsel in stress after she's like seen the horrors of Cordo Maltese. Um, so for that, in retrospect, it loses points. But the Jack Nicholson stuff is on is fantastic still. The back and mm-hmm. forth with him and Keaton, great chemistry. The Prince soundtrack, the direction, the set design, all the things you mentioned, Matt. Just all of it puts it in the you know next level of um, greatness. And so yeah, that's why it's in my top five. That's yeah, I'd, I'd put it even higher, but there have been other iterations of Batman since then that yeah. technically are superior movies to me. Yeah, yeah, fair point. Uh, I mean, this one had such an influence. I want to say it was Reitman on Ghostbusters 2. He feels it didn't do as well at the box office because general perception and attitude towards what a movie should be like that changed after Batman was released. And he's like, people want darker, grittier, not this fun kind of push and pull where we're doing this super serious life and death and also like trying to crack wise. Right. 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 Uh, I believe it was ghostbusters too, that he said that about. Yeah. Um, But anyway, that's our shared number five. Yeah. Shared number five. What's your four? My four is aliens. Uh, That was the one from you at six. Yes. 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 Sorry. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, 
Yeah, I probably should have had yeah. Aliens above Batman. It's just Batman is such a seminal film, which is why I gave it a, a, the slight bump over Aliens. But go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Well, Aliens is the kind of exception to the rule where the follow-up is not a whole lot like the original, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and still succeeds on its own merits. Yeah, agree. By doing something different. Yeah, it's the same basic set of looming monster death around every corner type of situation, but it has more of the action adventure film uh, tropes that, that it's reaching for as opposed to the psychological thriller that the first one is. Yeah. And you still have the thriller aspects, but it's different when everybody's got massive guns and they're these jacked up Marines and they're there to kill and they know they're there to kill as opposed to just being a crew on an, an exploratory salvage vessel yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that gets thrust into the situation. And for, and it wasn't, you know, Cameron obviously didn't do the original. Yeah. So for a new director to come in and take over a pre-existing well-regarded property and do something completely, not completely different, but taken in a different direction, more popcorny and mm-hmm. to succeed on this level is really impressive. Yeah. It should fail because you have certain expectations of what the film is going to be because of its predecessor. So by rights, you can't be let down. I, I know I am sometimes when you go in with certain expectations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like Inglorious Bastards to me still doesn't resonate as well because I was going in because of the trailers and whatnot, thinking yeah. it was going to be a movie about the bastards. <laughs> right. And it was and it, at all. Yeah, it was a, a third of the movie was about yeah, the bastards. Yeah, yeah. And it still affects the way I view that film to this day. Yeah. Now I didn't have that because I didn't see this in the theater. I didn't see either in the theater. Uh and I didn't have the same expectation levels, but I think they both succeed on their own me- merits as independent films existing yeah. in the same universe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with you, man. I don't disagree with you. Uh, the, I went back and rewatched it again um, a few weeks ago because you can watch on TVS or they cut stuff, you know, and yeah. so sometimes you just want to watch it pure. And it's such a fun film that does not. Uh, shirk on the horror and the terror. I mean, that scene of that woman who's like, oh, man, yeah. when you see other years, like, oh, my God, the reaction and all of it. So for adding the young kid, who, which is, a you know, kind of a trope in films where you add the cute kid or whatever, um, but constantly putting her in danger, constantly putting everyone in danger. And then you had Hicks and his his stuff. And you've got, um, was it Hudson? Who's, it was uh, Bill Paxton's character. Yeah. His his great dialogue and the way he delivers it, you know, all the characters, you know, even the Sanchez or whatever, like all the characters, the, the head of the Marines, the guy, he's got that deep voice, you know, all of it. The Sergeant. Yeah. The Sergeant, every single one of them has a distinct character and you may not get to know them personally, but they do such a great job bringing each of their distinctive characters to life that you're like, okay, I get it. If you're not a caricature, you're a character and I get exactly who you are in this whole mix, right? Uh, and it's great. And so when each of them dies, you actually feel that in the film when each of them dies, including Gorman, uh, there in the after he kind of semi redeems himself there in the shaft. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and so you feel all that. But then, I mean, the shot of him, it's like Hudson peeking out his head or Hicks maybe, and sees all those aliens coming for them through the fucking. Oh yeah. Oh. Still gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yes, agreed. Because it's just like all these hands and li- all these limbs, rather, and then yeah. massive heads. You're just like, oh, 
shit. It's like those videos they see where the uh, you see it online where there's like a bunch of spiders clustered up yeah. and something disturbs it and the whole nest scatters. You're like, hey, suddenly there's 5,000 spiders. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's yeah. that. It's like, oh, oh. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It gets you. And then the, the queen oh, laying the yeah. eggs right. like she's a termite or, or a fucking right. ant queen. Yeah. And just like, oh, and you're looking around this room of just death. Yeah. In that moment, I mean, just and and the twist, right? Because it's it's a human who's playing the evil role here uh, instead of the the android. Bishop is actually a good guy in this, yeah. as opposed to Ash in the first one. And then, of course, the twi- and then her coming out in that thing to confront the mother uh, is great. So, yeah. and then the, I love the, the romance. I love Bishop's explanation. Would be like, oh, when she voices, yeah. Her displeasure of the fact that there's an android. And he's like, what was the previous model? Oh, yeah, those things sucked. <laughs> yeah. Basically, he gives a rationale for it, but it's just like a, it's a, just a great way to be like, no, 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 this is totally different. It's totally different. Yeah. Just to let the audience know it's not going to be the same thing all over again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, Lance Henderson, it's one of the few times where he's allowed to show compassion in a character. Usually he plays like a villain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, just a, a, as solid an action movie as you're going to find. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, okay, so that was your four? Uh, that was my four. So my four is interesting because using your logic, I think I'm I'm okay because I wasn't sure if I can use, if I could do it Look, that way. We didn't talk about it, so my we logic did. is mine. Okay, because um, my number four is Captain America Winter Soldier. No, that, that's. Oh, I'm sorry. That's my fourth comic book movie. Right. Right. In okay. contention. Okay. Winter Soldier was on there as well. Okay. So that's the my Russo brothers. Yeah. That's my yeah. The Russo brothers because Call, Welcome to Hollywood is their first film. You, me, yep. and Dupree, and then Captain yep. America: Winter Soldier. They did a film called Pieces, but that was unreleased theatrically in the United States, so it doesn't count to me. Um, because and was, I don't think it the length of it is long enough. Yeah, it's an hour and ten or something like that. Yeah. And so. No, I agree. I've got it on my honorable mentions. It's on my so, you know second or third team. So there so, it is. So yeah, Captain America Winter Soldier. That is still maybe in my top five of the MCU still, especially after phase four. Still in my top five, I think. And yeah, phase four has been yeah, it's been a bit of a rough go. And it's um, interesting to see the overall polarity of reaction to Thor. Oh yeah. But that's been the standard, right? Like I, I didn't like multiverse, I hated multiverse of madness. People loved it. And then now you've got people who I liked uh, Thor: Love and Thunder, and you have people who hate it. So it's just like it's just a constant, uh, yeah, you know, division. And it's because they're just trying to find their feet. And I, I'll throw something else out there, and maybe I'll do a video of this on my channel. I also think they've re- they've gone with these younger actors who don't have the same kind of I don't know resonance as those actors did in the first four phases or three phases of the MCU. You know, with Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans and Hemsworth and uh, Scarlett Johansson and Ruffalo. It's an interesting crew that has like an adult vibe. Paul Rudd even. Um, But when you're sliding into the newer stuff, I don't know if that's necessarily 100% there as they're going younger. So I think they're stumbling a little bit. 
uh, kind of reminds me of something else. If you don't, you know, if you replace people with big followings with people with a little bit smaller situation, then maybe it ain't going to lead to success. So anyway, uh, needlessly taking a shot, <laughs> needlessly taking a shot. I don't know if it's needless. I feel like it's connected. I, anyway. oh, is it? I, I, I don't know that there's a that's my MCU to this <laughs> other as a direct corollary. See, I, I agree with you on the, someone on the actors, but I, yeah. I've always leaned towards the you use the big boy characters already. Yeah. yeah and now yeah. we're getting into the Eternals and the right. <clears throat> Shang-Chi's and the stuff that doesn't people don't have any understanding of the character coming into it. And that's fine when Guardians comes out. But you've already had Thor, right. Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, everybody you already know. So you can throw in some new guys as opposed to rolling out with characters you don't have any connection to. Right, right. Uh, well, that's happened. That's got it. It was the logical next thing that yeah. they had to do after they used all their big guys and they couldn't have Fantastic Four or X Men at the time. So now that they do, I'm sure they're leading up to that in some way. Um, and but you're yeah. getting now Fantastic Four cast announcements are leaking out, yeah, all over the place. Yeah, and we'll see what the truth is when, when they officially say yeah. it, but like who knows, yeah. And, and those are those things that are you see that happening, but here, you know, it's great to have Doctor Strange and Wanda. But then what you do with it isn't the best. Then you have Thor, Love, and Thunder, which I enjoy, but people wanted more out of it, which I get. But then you're introducing things like Ms. Marvel and Moon Knight and uh, multiple Lokis and, uh, you know, uh, what was the other one? Oh, oh, yeah, the new Hawkeye with Kate Bishop. So the, people aren't that familiar with these characters. And where you had other characters I think to connect to mm-hmm. – this is a little this you're asking a lot of the audience, you know, and I'm starting to wonder if people feel like they've got to put, you know, boards up in their room in their houses in order rooms or apartments to kind of keep track of everything because there's so much that's going on. And I think if you're younger, it's a lot easier. But the older crowd, you're hearing the rumbles from the older crowd, like, why do I have to watch all these shows to understand what's going on in the movies? You know, I should just have to watch the movies, that old Star Wars mentality of like, it's just the movies. I mm, that's, but those days are done, man. You know, those days are done. You know, you, you yeah, I'll just, uh, so far, the television adaptations haven't really resonated with me. So I've just stopped yeah. watching them. Yeah. And if it hurts me in the movies, then eh, it hurts me in the movies. So be right, it. Right. So be it. But anyway, uh, anyway, um, the Winter Soldier is just so good. The action sequences, the stuff with him and uh, with Chris Evans and Sebastian Stan is so good. Crossbone stuff is great. Um, the political intrigue here, it's a 1970s mm-hmm. political film with Robert Redford. It's like a spy film. Yeah, total, rarely playing the villain. The scene in the elevator, I mean, what a great fight sequence that is. Uh, the Black Widow stuff, the Nick Fury stuff. It is a constant movement, and it's so much fun to watch, and it's so deftly directed by the Russo brothers um, that I just love it to pieces from the beginning of, of ball rock all the way to the end um, uh, with the Nick Fury situation. It just works so well um, and gives even more depth to the winter soldier side of things mm-hmm. um, and puts that into Captain America's life back into his life. And of course uh, the stuff with Scarlet widow, a uh, Scarlet black widow, he loses, um, uh, Agent Carter in the film. So there's so much that happens in Winter Soldier. And I think he meets Falcon. Doesn't he meet Falcon in Winter Soldier? Or is that in Civil War? I think he meets Falcon in Winter Soldier. But 
Well, uh, let's see. I know Black Panther is introduced in Winter Soldier. Yes, Black Panther is introduced in Winter Soldier as well. Yeah, yes, because right. they have the UN bombing. Yes, and his dad dies. Right. Fal- I think Falcon's in this one. Yes, Falcon is. Oh, I'm looking right yeah. now. Yeah, Falcon is in this one. So there's so much. Oh, and uh, Agent Carter's granddaughter, Emily Van Camp. Uh, oh yeah, he's across the hall. Yeah, yeah. So, plus the Hydra stuff becomes more of a bigger deal. So there's so much here that's so well directed by the Russo brothers. And look, there's another film that isn't going to make my list, and the reason is because I don't find myself drawn to put that film on and watch it constantly as much as I'm drawn to watch Winter. Soldier. What is it? It's probably not on my yeah, list. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to say. Who's that. the director? I'm going to say. Um, let's move on. What's your three, man? Oh, sure. You're willing to take not so veiled shots. <laughs> I'm not taking shots. I'm giving my analysis. There's a difference. Oh, I, I'm talking about the other thing. That's MCU comparison. That's what I'm saying. This is my analysis. It's not a shot. It's my analysis. Ah, the analysis is a shot. Oh, I don't know. You don't know. The smile on your face belies analysis. that you're not exactly telling the truth right now. Uh, you make me laugh. You're a comedian. You can't <laughs> Ah, oh, nice spin. Way to appeal. If I can butter me up, still see through it, but thank you for that. Uh, anyway, number three, what's your three, man? Uh, my three is Wolfgang Peterson's Das Boot. No! Nice choice, dude. All right, go ahead. Shit, Which, I didn't even make my list. I got to put it in the second team. Definitely second team. Go ahead. Um. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I was so pleased when I found that one. I was like, oh, it is his third. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Um, nice. It's World War II from the Nazis' side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's not, you know, they set it up in the beginning, and they're the, the, the crew about to go out to sea, and they know that... The likeliest outcome is death. Yeah. 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 And they see these guys celebrating the fatherland and whatnot. Yeah. And most of the crew, especially the, those in command are staring at him going, what, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) Dad, you know, I'm out there for my fellow sailor, not for some nameless or faceless bureaucrat pulling the strings up high above sending us to our death. I'm out there with these men. Because we signed up to do this to protect our nation, yeah, and not really aware of everything else that's going on. You know, you are one tentacle in this vast array of of where the war extends to, yeah, and the day to day life of what it was like to be on these types of ships, yeah, yeah, and in, instead of selling us on the heroism and and. Oh, it's amazing. And there are any person that does this is to be exalted. And I'm not right. saying they're not. Right. But to get into it and see the humanity in the situation, the good and the bad. Yeah. Yeah. To to put an unflinching eye or cast an unflinching eye on the situation as a whole, as opposed to just glossing it over and giving yeah. us the rosier perspective. It does it so beautifully. And, and as we've said on the show before, watch the original. Yeah. Read the captions because the intonation of the line delivery sells you in the moments much more than someone else overdubbing it. 
They're yeah. never going to match the intensity of the actors that are giving the performance in the scene itself. Uh, and then culminating in that final big set piece and yeah. whatnot makes you feel for him. Yeah. And it's something you can't often say about, you know, fucking Nazis. It's kind of a genius film in that way. And it doesn't feel like propaganda. It feels like I'm trying to educate you mm-hmm. as an audience on what this was like <clears throat> to be a soldier in all of this. Not everyone was as gung-ho as you think. And if you can step outside yourself and realize that a lot of these people who got involved in this stuff are young dudes who just needed to live in their own country and couldn't just run off and live in another country. They had to kind of be part of this situation. And they weren't out there in the concentration camps killing Jewish people. They were serving um, their country as they were told to do, you know? And so they had to do that. Um, You know, too many people in this country look things through the American perspective that only America, like, they could have done what we did. It's not the same country in any way, shape, or form, you know. And people tried to go to Viet, tried to go to Canada to escape going to Vietnam, but not everybody could do that. They had to go to Vietnam. So, do the people performing those atrocities are they? Do you paint them all with the same brush that some of those people did in Vietnam? No, mm-hmm. some of those soldiers were doing what they were told to do uh, in, in and were clearly damaged from it when they came back. You know, some of them took advantage of that situation to indulge their worser parts of their nature, but other people didn't and other people were made to do certain things. And so you see that when you're watching this film, there's such an interesting exploration of the German sh- soldier on the sub and their issues with what they're being told to do their issues yeah. with the, uh, the Nazis and whatever. So it's just brilliantly done and you make you sympathize, as you said, Matt, with a sub full of German soldiers during World War II and such a rarity. And Jürgen Prochnow, who never quite got a role like this on the American side of things, he is excellent here. Just excellent, man. You know? So Yeah, Fuck, you're I'm, I'm mad. I should have checked the Wilkin Peterson. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, you're empathizing with Nazis and it's effective. Which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Doesn't this isn't fucking Hogan's Heroes, where it's like, like (laughs) let's all laugh and have a good time. How that ever got greenlit is still beyond me. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is, yeah, this seems like a movie to be put out today as opposed to 1981 or whatever, whenever this came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Just like, okay, you know what? We can have an examination of what these individuals were actually like, right? A la like Downfall. Yeah. And just, and just to be clear, we're empath- you're empathizing with the, the Nazis in the film, but you're not empathizing with the Nazis. Yeah, not with ideology. the yeah, 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 the ideology or the upper echelons of the the Reichmark. Yeah, uh, just some case, just in case some asshole wants to edit this out. Yeah, no, just way. Fuck them. I'm the just boots on the ground, the guys that got thrust into a situation because yeah. you want to defend your country because you don't. I mean, think how how quote unquote well informed we are now. Yeah, yeah. At the very least, how much access to information we have. Whereas before, it was just like the paper says this. Yep. And you have one paper. Yep. And that is it. So that is that directly influences your entire world view. Yep. That's all you get. Yeah. 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 I mean, you were still in the dark about the the Earth being flat. You know what I mean? <laughs> and now you can go out there and find that fucking information. Learn the good stuff. Learn the good stuff. Yeah. 
Um, all right. So that was your number three. That was my trace. My trace is George Lucas's Star Wars A New Hope. That's called a punt. Fair enough. What's your two? Uh, my deuce is Jaws. What? That's not Spielberg's third. It's Close Encounters Spielberg's third. I don't believe you are correct. Well, let's have this battle now in this corner. Uh, I'm about to look it up. Because you've got, where is it? Sugarland Express, which was a film, then Jaws, then Close Encounters. There is nothing before Sugarland Express. Firelight. That's that's that is a student film that was never released theatrically. Oh, I just looked up the <laughs> it's two hours and twenty minutes. So I was like, all right, Firelight, and then a bunch of shorts. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get to Sugarland Express and yeah. Jaws, and it's like, boom, Jaws third. Okay, I'm good with that. <laughs> Uh, uh, all right, I, I didn't. You want, you want to reevaluate? Yeah. Look, once again, there's a hundred and forty something on my list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I will take that off then. That's fine. Yeah. Because I mean, I would give you a duel, but duel was a TV movie. Yeah. No, I, I'm not counting duel. Yeah. Close Encounters is their third one. Is his third one. Okay. Well, my the one that was battling for ten was Stephen okay. Queen's Twelve Years a Slave. Ooh, nice choice. All right, do you want to move? Do you want to move? That I'm just somewhere? putting that at ten, bumping okay. everything else up. All right, do you want to say some words on that? Please. Uh, that was the movie where I, I, I think I only blanked like three times. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's affecting. I, I have gone back. I've rewatched the full thing. Wow. I think twice since, Damn. once for sure. Damn. But I've gone back for certain of like the the worst scenes a few different times. I can't do it, man. The Paul Dano stuff I've gone back for when he initially goes to Fassbender's plantation. I've gone back for that. When the guy shows up and saves him and he breaks down because he hadn't answered his own name in uh, over a decade at that point. And he's in utter disbelief and Fassbender comes running. I've gone back to, yeah. Yeah. That one was an absolute gut punch. And for your third film, yeah. Incredible. And Lupita's performance. It, yeah. It, Lupita Nyong'o is amazing. And especially when he gets saved, her reaction as he's going off, like, just wow, dude. Yeah, it's a tough, it's such a tough film to watch, but such an effectively brilliant film. I remember I went on a first date to this movie <laughs> with, the, with the woman who was like a English teacher at a school there in Los Angeles. And she was just like, I wanted to see this film. Do you want to go? I'm like, I don't know. It was a first date film. She's like, it's okay. It's okay. I'm into you. We'll go get drinks afterwards. I'm like, all right. So we went and saw it and we're sitting there like for an hour, just kind of mumbling about the movie until yeah. finally we were able to kind of like the drink sit in a little bit. We were able to kind of flirt and what have you, but like for an hour, it was like, what have we fucking done? Cause it was brutal. Yeah. Such a well-directed film. And the only negative is, of course, the Brad Pitt part, which is so feels anachronistic. Um, but overall, just Fassbender is chilling, and Chiwetel uh, um, for is so good. Um, and yeah, you're right. That scene when he gets saved is just so so effective in being. And then when he sees his family, when he sees it was reunited with yeah. his family, you know. But it's scary because I mean, in essence, what happened to him is traf- human trafficking. If you mm-hmm. wanted to put it in modern terms, it's human trafficking. He was kidnapped. He was tricked and kidnapped and put into 10 years of bonded slavery to do whatever these people 
in control of him told him to do. And it, it, he experienced some of the worst shit. He had to do some terrible shit. Because I know they didn't put it in the movie, all the stuff that he had to do as a slave in the book. Yeah. Because you'd have a tough time reconciling uh, some of the stuff he had to do. You know, but it's no different than you hear about some of the stuff that Jewish people had to do in the Holocaust in those camps towards other Jewish people just to survive or live. You know, it's it's a horrible situation. <sighs> so I hope we never go back. Um, all right, so the punt, so the 10. All right, so then what's your two? Well, my two now, um, what in the world? Wasn't your two, was your two Jaws? Oh, my bad. Right, your two was Jaws, right? Yeah, my two was Jaws. Sorry. sorry. So then my two is uh, Do the Right Thing from Spike Lee. Uh, Go for it. Okay. I love this movie. It's a seminal film in my life, changed my life, um, opened my eyes up to so many things. And so some of you would be like, oh, why is Black Panther not on my list? This is why it's not on my top ten. I don't need to have it on when I have Do the Right Thing, which is a really powerful film exploring uh, racism with police, exploring brutality, exploring racism within different cultures. Even when they themselves are the victims of racism, they will commit racism towards other cultures. And, uh, you know, it's uh, going down the line of power. Um, It's also very funny with Robin Harris and Sweet Dick Willie and those two other guys that are with him um, in certain moments. Uh, but it's also pretty honest in its assessment of things. And it questions a lot. And the and the protagonist, which is essentially Mookie, is not that clean of a protagonist. So it really no. makes you question a lot of things as a um as an audience member. And so it puts a lot of things out there for you to consume and navigate. And then it ends with such a brutal and horrific ending. Um, that evokes the worst of the civil rights uh, protests in terms of the way the police treated them and turned the hoses on them. Mm -hmm. Um, And also evokes stuff that we're dealing with today. It's still dealing with today. If you think of George Floyd or Michael Brown or a number of other people who've been choked out or killed by the police unnecessarily. Uh, Meanwhile, you know, white shooters uh, get to just calmly be taken into custody. And so there's, so much that do the right thing still resonates in 2022. Uh, we recently did a breakdown of it on the cinephiles and it just made it even more resonant for me as a film to see what it, what it's speaking about and how it still affects our society today, unfortunately. So, and it's, it's an incredibly well-directed film for a guy who had done an independent film. Like she's got to have it, Got yep. some studio money, did School Days, which is a bit of a okay film, but not great. A sophomore slump a little bit. And then comes here with maybe one of the greatest films ever made and certainly a classic. Um, and uh, so that's why it's my number two. I mean, it's in my contentions list. Mm-hmm. The window down from uh, there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... it's Really good Spike Lee. Just for me, I, I think I'd gravitate towards others of Spike before I watch Do the Right Thing again. Fair enough. Um, and it's not a knock on the film itself. It just, yeah. I had to create some sort of criteria. Yeah, um, of course. We all do. For yeah. These, for these lists. But an excellent cast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even get to the cast. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great cast. 
so, and tiny parts for all kinds of amazing uh, actors over yes. and over and over again in that movie. Yes, yeah, Sam Jackson, really small part. Yeah, Rosie Perez. Yes, the introduction of part. Rosie. Yeah. Giancarlo uh, Esposito. Yeah. That's bugging out. Uh, who's the white guy that's a uh, fan? Uh, Is that uh, John Savage? John Savage. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From uh, and then uh, Deliverance, I think. Raheem Radio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so good. Yeah, just a really good cast. Yeah, hundred percent agreed, man. Damn good cast. Um, Danny Aiello. Yeah, John Turturro. John Turturro. Uh, Ozzy Davis, Ruby D. Oh yeah, Ruby D. Um, and even the Latino cop, who of course was the villain in what Patriot Game? Oh no, not Patriot. Was the other uh, Clear and Present Danger? Um, and he was oh. just in Barry. Um, this season, yeah. Um, so that guy still doing his thing. So good. Um. Oh, and the cop who chokes out Radio Raheem, I when we we're doing the I didn't know this is Daniel Yellow's son. So Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Kind of ironic that he's playing the cop who does this thing, considering it's Daniel Yellow's character that has that deals with all the madness of it all. Oh yeah, Martin Lawrence. Yeah, small role for yeah, Martin Lawrence. True. Well. Forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. So so many good stuff. Um, all right. So what's your what's your one? Right? Because it's that's Star Wars. It is oh, okay. All right. Uh, go ahead. This is your one. It's it's Star Wars. I think we can move on. You know what I mean? It's Star Wars. <laughs> okay. Hey, just yeah. The vast majority of what we consider to be movies now don't exist without Star Wars. That's a good point. Excellent point. As much as Jaws created the Summer Temple, Star Wars really unlocked. Yeah. What that could mean. Just the fact how that there's, culturally pervasive it could be. Yeah. The fact that there's one convention dedicated to that franchise mm -hmm. when you don't see conventions at the level that that convention is at for any other franchise um, speaks volumes about how much that film affected people and still affects people all these all this time later you know yeah the the world building that he did mm -hmm. i can't think of another uh intellectual property that consistently makes all the fans go, oh, when the new thing comes out and then they yeah. tease whatever the next thing is and all of us go, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Just constantly this backflipping and flip-flopping we do. I can't imagine how difficult that's got to be to be the exec over there because you, you're never going to please. No, you're no. never going to please. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, but still, keeps coming back. Yeah. As, as much as I may not enjoy or find it something lackluster, they announce and be like, look, there's always potential. I have yeah. faith in this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Star Wars, my number one. Yeah, that's, I agree with everything Matt said. Uh, so my number one is uh, Blade Runner, Ridley Scott's Blade yeah. Runner. That's my favorite sci-fi film ever made. Uh, and I go back to it all the time. It still works for me. And yeah, Star Wars fans might get mad at me, but this is my personal list. And so for my personal list, I don't put on a new hope anywhere near the amount of times that I put on Blade Runner or watch scenes from blade runner on on my laptop or on on tv or whatever uh it still affects me on so many ways i love 2049 i've got to watch that uh, animated series they did on that's on hbo max but yeah blade runner is just from top to bottom it just kind of appeals to so many things 
that I enjoy, which is futuristic sci-fi, the noir aspect of things, the Japanese influence in it, um, the idea of androids and the idea of uh, the concept of life and what it really means and who has life, who has rights, Mm -hmm. all that. There's so much that gets explored in this film uh, that I think is genius. Plus, you've got Rucker Hauer and Harrison Ford and Sean Young delivering phenomenal performances and Edward James almost as well. When Latinos don't get into sci-fi, here he is playing a pretty integral part of the film as well. So, And really, Scott's direction is just masterful. And it looks like it was shot yesterday. And it's never not looked that way. And we're in 2022. And that film came out 40 years ago. So, um, all right. Well, there you go. That's our separate lists. Unless you want to say something on that, Matt. Don't believe it. No, yeah, you're a much, much bigger fan. <laughs> Than I am. I think it's a good film. I just I have never and won't ever understand why it's numerous individuals' favorite sci-fi film of all time. Yeah, it's true. Very true. But it doesn't really matter what I think. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. All right. We're gonna, so there you go. That's our separate top panels. We're gonna put this thing together here, Matt. Uh yep. Okay. I think Star Wars is number one, I imagine, since it's our one three, right? Uh yeah, I'd have to <laughs> assume so. Hmm. And then, so we now have a, did you put Das Boot on, or is that just like? Just in the bottom. Second team? Not, not, not in my top 10. Just put, okay. it, put it in the bottom. So then we have Aliens, Batman, Miller's Crossing, and for a few dollars more. Uh, I'm quite happy to make that our top five in okay. that order if you want. And that would follow five. along with where we've got it. Yeah, okay. Do you want to do by film or do you want director as well? Sure. Okay, well, that was two questions and you said yes to both. All right. No, um, Fine, I'm writing them down both down. Okay. <laughs> I meant to say yes to that director and the film. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then we had. Are we flipping coins? I got a coin. Remember. Yeah, you have an unofficial coin, though. That's the problem. <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck? Uh, mine is one we both agreed on, and we took it to Zurich, and they weighed and measured it. Oh, my God. And got the official stamp of approval, and yours yeah. is just some slapdash. Oh, yeah, I've got a coin. So do I, dude. i got a coin as well. Uh, you want a fucking toe? I'll get you a fucking toe. Uh, <laughs> dude, you, I'll get you a toe. All right, fine. You can do the flipping. All right, no, where are we uh, I don't. I don't give a shit. Um, so that's one through five done. Okay. Uh, so you're number one then. Yeah. Would that be next? Yeah. It would be, be next. Okay. And I have my two in Das Boot. I have my two as well, but we can default to Das Boot there and then do the right thing if you want. All right. Now what? Uh, I got to uh, write this down. Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay. It's two, four, six, eight. So we got two left. Okay. Uh, I have my number four, which is the Russos for Captain America Winter Soldier. All right. My next highest is now technically my five days to confused. Yeah, because uh, my five was Batman. So there you go. Uh, all right, good to go. That's good. 
right. Uh, the top 10 best third film from a director. Yeah. At number 10. Richard Linklater's Dazed and Confused. At number nine. The Russo Brothers, Captain America, Winter Soldier. At number eight. Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. At number seven. Wolfgang Peterson's Das Boot. At number six. Ridley Scott's Blade Runner. At number five. Sergio Leone's For a Few Dollars More. At number four. The Coen Brothers, Miller's Crossing. At number three. Tim Burton's Batman. At number two. James Cameron's Aliens. And our number one best third film from a director is... George Lucas's Star Wars A New Hope. Okay. All right. There you go. That's your answer. There's your top tens, people. On an impossible list. Yeah. I mean, phenomenally impossible. Yeah. We will clearly split the atom down the road in the future to maybe decade, which will be fun. Uh, but a new thing to discover for sure. Um, do we want to run our through our? Uh, I mean, it's already an hour and forty minutes. This yeah, because yeah, if we split the ad and do this show again, oh, that's yeah, a good point. Yeah, there's other films on this list. You All know, right. why tip our hands too much? So smart, 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 smart. All right, let's get on out of here. What do we have to tell them, Matt? Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Top Ten Show. It's all spelled out. It's also on the screen above my head. Uh, and then on YouTube and Instagram, it is forward slash the Top Ten Podcast with the number 10. So please hit us up. If you'd like to be a patron, head to patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10. And finally, you can follow me at Matt Nost and uh, check out Settle the Score, my other movie-related movie music trivia show. And that is it for me this week. Yeah, thanks to uh, Embrace Your Geekness, Nick Baldwin and James Petty for joining us live here as we counted this stuff down. And uh, Dale Varley Jr. was in here as well for a little bit. So Thank you all so much for joining us live. Uh, we appreciate it madly. Um, as for me, you can follow me at the Roca says on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, the Outlaw Nation on Twitch, uh, and my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca, and my other podcasts, the Cinephiles and the Geek Buddies out there for you to enjoy. All right, take care of yourselves. Be well. Look for our topic, Thunder, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the Top 10 Show. Peace. Peace.